I do have Liverpool winning the league for the first time in a generation. I have City finishing second. I've been here many times before and I've never been defeated and still... I will never be defeated. It's Jay. And this is Chuck. The year is still 2020 and we are alive. What's up? I'm Jay coming through on the Tour Front podcast and I'm not alone. I'm joined by... Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chuck. Um, yeah, as you heard in the intro, someone got their predictions right. Um, this is our EPL rap. Um, so what I'm someone. Do? I'm someone. Yeah, someone being Jay. Um, so before I let him bask in his glory, these were my predictions for how the top six would end up at the end of the season. I had City winning, I was wrong. Liverpool second, I was wrong. Tottenham third, I was wrong. United fourth, I was wrong. And there's no need <laughs> to continue, I was wrong. Because somehow City <sighs> didn't do the City thing and somehow Liverpool, they, 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 they did something amazing this season. It was crazy. Like, this, this league title was gone within the first half of the season. You know, and we kept on waiting for City, City to mount a response. Never came. City went to Anfield. They got blown away like in the first hour where Liverpool were 3 0 up. And we were sitting back looking and thinking, man, the Reds might just do it. And I mean, yes, I'm basking in my glory. But as I, as, as I said in like our very first episode of uh, this podcast, it's because th- there was a pattern that had developed. Um, Liverpool had made it to the Europa final and they lost it. They made it to the Champions League final, lost it. Came back the following year, won it. And they ran City very close, finishing with 97 points last season. And it was only sensible in my mind that this team are hungry. This team have now learned how to actually get over the hump and win. And I just thought to myself, you know what? They they just might do it. And they did it. 30 years waiting for a league title and... There they are, not walking alone. 30 years is a mighty long time. Like, it really, you know, really is. Eh? I mean, they came close with the Gerard and Suarez season. They fell short there. And I mean, as well, what they had against them was the fact that Jurgen Klopp had struggled in finals. And so them winning the Champions League, I think, sort of broke some sort of resistance in terms of them going to the next level. So, man, congrats to Liverpool. There's nothing more to say except congrats because these guys, as Jay said, had the league wrapped up even before lockdown. Like, by the time about to lock down or no more flying to international places, stop football, stop social gatherings, Liverpool already champions. That we knew already. It was just a matter of how many records can they break, um, by how big a margin will they finish. And even though they had a, a sort of a blip towards the end of the season, they were still champions and you couldn't shake that aura off them. You know what? <laughs> Shout out to Jurgen Klopp, man. Um, Jurgen Klopp has done an amazing job at Liverpool. And also shout out to 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 the Liverpool Liverpool board because when Klopp came in, if you look back um, a season before they finished second, they finished fourth, right? Made it to the Champions League final, and that particular season, that front three scored, if I'm not mistaken, around like 90 goals. That's when Salah had 40 something goals, uh, Firmino had 27 goals, Firmino who is struggling for goals now, mm. and um, Mane had 20 something goals as well. But they were overly reliant on that front three. And then Klopp goes to the board and he makes um, his, his his demands very clear that he needs a centre-back 
and he needs a goalkeeper because of the debacle we saw in the Champions League final. And sure enough, um, Liverpool uh, management, Liverpool board put their money where their mouths are and they go sign uh, Alisson for a world record fee. They go sign Van Dijk for a world record fee. And now they've got a team that is balanced. Now it's not just um, this remarkable front three and we're going to try outscore the opposition. But now it can actually keep teams out. And when you look then at the Liverpool team that has won this Premier League title, they're such a balanced team. I mean, they, they're getting what double-digit assists from their right back. They're getting assists from, from their left back. Um, Van Dijk is imperious in defence. And Gomez, I have questions about Gomez. But I, I used to think Gomez was good up until this particular season. I know there was injuries and stuff like that, but nah, he wasn't. He wasn't as good as he was in previous seasons. No, he wasn't. Um, and then, and then, and then the midfield, the midfield is strong. They're not, they're not eye catching. They don't play the the type of footy where it's it's not Xavi and Iniesta. You know, mm. it's not Modric and Kroos either. But in in Fabinho, they've got the best defensive midfielder going around in the league. Uh, the guy can defend. He can harass people who have the ball on, on their feet. He's got a pass on him. He he's got a shot on him. He's he, he's a complete defensive midfielder. They they got a gem there from Monaco. And then there's Henderson who has developed in the club. Uh, we're going to speak more about him. And you've got Gini Ronaldo who's who's just an engine. He he runs everywhere. He runs all day long, and. They've got Kato's on the bench. You can't even make it into this the starting lineup, and you look all around. As I'm saying, uh, and and they've been fortunate as well. I must say, in terms of they they big players don't get injured. Yeah, I mean one thing one thing to say as well um, to 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 give give my protest to Klopp. Klopp makes teams better. He's one of the coaches where you can say he's made this particular team better. When you look at Dortmund, then when he started the project with Dortmund, they had a decent team up until that a couple of seasons under Klopp, and they were obviously better. They pipped um, by into the league. They got to Champions League finals, and you can, you have seen the same pattern with Liverpool. Liverpool have become better. Like, wh- which team do you have assists from either either flank in terms of wingbacks? Man, which team? Because. Like you said before, they had a, a mighty front three, and all we, uh, um, what, what we were saying when we were criticizing, um, sorry, let me slow down. When we were criticizing Liverpool, was that Liverpool just press, get them the ball, they don't look too good with the ball. All they do is press, get the ball, and they punish you. But now the Liverpool, the, the Liverpool midfield has improved. As you said, they've added Fabinho, they've added Nketiah. Um Oxley Chamberlain has improved as well as a player. Um, Kate has actually improved himself. He was supposed to be uh, starting to hit the ground running, but as the season has worn on, he's become better. So overall, they've improved as a team. And as much as Chelsea are making signings, as much as City would make improvements, it's still hard to say good team. Someone's going to stop this Liverpool team. And I must say, they've like at the right time. A, a, a nod to the front three. Um, as I said, they don't have as many goals as 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 in their peak season. You know. But and I'm someone who's who's criticized Mo Salah um, in the past before. I mean, he's not my favorite player in the world. And other than goals, I don't think he gives you all that much. But in the Liverpool system, and as as much as he gets flagged for being greedy, which he is, he scores goals. Mm. Like you go into any given season, you know Mo Salah is going to give you plus minus twenty goals in in the league. And you know on the other on the other flank, you've got Sadio Mane who is right now probably at his best playing top five football in, in, in world football you know and then Firmino as I said Firmino I think Firmino must start being a little concerned because you look around this Liverpool team and you think to yourself well are they just going to stand pat with what they have or are they going to bring in reinforcements and you look around and you try when you try to figure out like uh, where might they go with that because the interest in Werner before he signed for Chelsea was very interesting mm. because 
where was he going to go? He was going to have to slot into one of those front three positions. And as I said, Salah's bringing the goals. You can't replace him. Sadio Mane is Sadio Mane. You can't replace him. And Firmino is looking a little shaky in his position because he scored, what, one goal this whole year, this whole season at Anfield. But he still does give you something, you know, in terms of connecting the play with, with the other two guys that he plays with in, in the front three. I think he's he's saved maybe for another season simply because of what they've built together as a tr- as, a, as an attacking trio. Because I think when you look at Timo Werner, he's an out-and-out goal scorer, a striker. Whereas, as much as Firmino didn't have goals, he'd assist, he'd, he'd um, put together the play and be the 10, if I would say, in that team. And so maybe that warrants him a place game in, game out, even without the goals. And so maybe they might persist with him maybe for another season. But, I mean... They didn't score as much as they did the previous season, but they're still scoring enough to win games. They're still scoring enough to win championships. And I mean, the Atletico game was a blip, if we'd say, looking at at what both teams are and what both teams have achieved in their in their respective domestic uh, leagues. And so, I think if Liverpool lose against Atletico, it's also a question of who's going to stop them in Europe. And yeah. so, that's the same question we pose to everyone else in Europe: that come Champions League, when it restarts, who's going to stop them? When the EPL starts again, who's going to stop them? And so, I mean, obviously, Werner would have been that little, you know, um, player to take them over the top in terms of goal contributions. But I think Liverpool are pretty set. I, as as yeah. a coach, I, I don't know to who would I sign and and put them away. I, I honestly don't know. Because you know what you're looking for with, with with teams that you build. You don't want to have a situation like you find at Arsenal or Manchester United, where every window. There is this talk of who you're bringing in. Every yeah. window, the fans are are looking for reinforcements because mm. you look around the team and you're thinking, man, we 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 need better players in almost every position. Mm. But then when you think about the teams that have been dominant in the past in the Premier League, you think about the Alex Ferguson teams. For stretches at a time, they were settled in, in, in their main positions. I mean, there were like eight guys. You're going into every season knowing that they are they are keeping their the, the positions in the starting eleven, mm. And you're adding a squad player, you're adding a rotational player, you're strengthening the bench. But you know that your main horses are there. They're ready. They're proven. They've got championships under them. They, they're a year um, experienced now. And that's what you have with Liverpool. Uh, their players, they're not, they're not 20 or 21, you know, but they're not quite 30 yet either. So, and, and, and Klopp is, has, has committed himself to another, what, five years at Liverpool. So you go as far as, as you can with these guys because these are the guys that you came... There's a saying that you, 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 you dance with the one that you came to the dance with, you know. And these are the guys who've brought him here. These are the guys who've bought into... The, the ideals of Klopp and they play for him and they love him and you can see this camaraderie within the team mm. so there's no need to go sign someone for 100 million there's no need to try uh, bring in someone and then you miss with the chemistry and the balance in the team you just write out these guys and, and go as far as you can with them so let me ask this question do you think if the EPL cancelled the season and said there's no winner it would have been an, an injustice particularly to Liverpool or do you think if it happened to anyone else it would have been the same thing I think particularly to Liverpool because of the season that they had. Like, mm. everyone knew. Like, it was a foregone conclusion. There was no situation where football was ever going to come back or you would have dreamt up a scenario that, well, but if they were still playing, they could have been caught. Yeah, mathematically, but, I mean, everyone else was, like, 20 points behind. It was 20, 22 or 25. It was, it, was, it was a ridiculous number. And 25 from City. I mean, which, which is crazy because... You, Liverpool were definitely good, but City were bad. I know they finished second, but City were bad. Their defence was bad. It was badly exposed. And there were times where they just didn't kick into gear. Everyone under City, there's not really 
worth mentioning in terms of how well they did. Everyone under City was just even worse. I mean, United are lucky to be third. Chelsea are lucky to be fourth. Sheffield have done well to be where they are. And top eight, that's just about it. Everyone else had a bad season. And that's not taken away from Liverpool because whether you're good or not, or whether you come to the party dressed and ready or not, you've got to perform. You play who's in front of you, and if the team is bad, you put, you punish them. And that's what they've done. It's a strange season. Yeah. It's been a strange season because Liverpool have been excellent, no doubt. I mean, they've racked up 99 points. But when you look at the rest of the table, as you say, like from City going down, City, if I'm not mistaken, they've finished with the same points total as Manchester United when United finished second, um, 19 points behind City when they racked up 100 points. And when I was looking at the league table from a couple of seasons ago, Manchester United finished fifth with 69 points. This season, Manchester United have 66 points and they're third. Because when you look at City, they've scored another 100 goals in the league this season. And yet, and they've actually conceded just three less goals than Liverpool, but they've finished so far behind. It was such an up and down season. They've, they had games where they were slaughtering teams. And then they had games like the game at home against, against Wolves where like Adama Traore comes on and he punishes them like late, two late goals and they're losing. They had the game against Newcastle where for, for all your money, you would have bet on them to win that game after going 2-1 up. But then I think John Joe Shelby comes in like with the equalizer. And they were just like middling performances, especially when um, Laporte went down with his injury. Seemingly, that, that affected the team just beyond their defense, like their confidence in terms of their overall gameplay and what they're putting out there. One team that really pushed um, the big guys, and I know it's not really in the top six, but Wolves. I mean, when I look at Wolves and how they beat City this season, and the two games against Liverpool that were so close that they were either decided by VAR or one close decision, and either Wolves wins that game or they survive and take a point from Liverpool. And Wolves, Wolves have outdone themselves as well this season. So here's a comment from Pep. Pep says, according to him, the next season, whoever's going to be champion will have a similar point say to what he had to uh, amass the previous season and what Liverpool had this season. So he's saying anyone who's going to win the league will have probably 95, po- 95 uh, points and, and, and more. Do you think that's going to happen again, like for the third season running? Or do you think people are going to reinforce and it's going to be what the EPL is supposed to be, a dog-eat-dog world where there's more parity between the teams? I think if it happens, and this has happened actually quite regularly in recent times, Chelsea finished from, with 93 from the points. season, yeah. And then you had you had City with, with, with um, like 100 points. Before that, I think they also had like over, something over, over 90 points. Mm. Which... It, it puts into question what is actually happening in the Premier League because what seemingly has started to occur now is that uh, you have your big six, but within that upper echelon, there's an even higher tier than the rest of the teams. You had in the last couple of seasons, you've had Liverpool and Manchester City breaking away, mm. whereas City had broken away by themselves, and then Liverpool managed to claw their way into into that race and finally go over the top and actually win the league. So if you have a team that goes ninety something points, that means they are they are wiping they're wiping like the floor with the other teams, including the others of the big six. And I don't quite see that happening next season because if what Manchester United have done to close off the season is anything to go by, they should they should be in with a shot. Maybe not to win the whole thing, but to be there or thereabout. 
not to finish with 66 points maybe to be around 80 point mark lord help us not to finish with 66 points i mean I, i'd have to agree with you there because i think united's problem was that they weren't finishing off the smaller teams they found it hard to break down the teams who were compact and who had a, uh, as they would say a low block because if you look at their record against the the, uh, the other five teams in the big six it's actually decent i think it's one of the best maybe second or third uh, amongst the other competitors and so if they then are able to finish off the smaller teams they definitely have more than 66 points and then will probably run whoever's um, leading the, the the title race run them close so i don't i i, I don't want it to be a 95 point plus season I tell me something yeah what do you make of this pulisic Werner, ziek havets kovacic kante I if hope, that happens, I hope they can't play well together. If that happens, Lord, look and say already. they get a centre back as well and a left okay. back maybe. There's here's here's what I'm hoping, right? Before I even explain to you what I what I make of that, sometimes they say that it takes a while for players to break into the Premier League and get into their stride. I hope that happens with Chelsea <laughs> because that would give everyone a season to catch up. But on those names alone, Werner is is a proven goal scorer. Ziyech looks like a Mares light. Pulisic has been magic the whole season. I mean, he's just been held back by a few injuries and a few bad performances by the general team. But he's a star. And then Kante, who's been, well, not he hasn't had his best season, but he's an engine for days. Havertz, if you put that guy in there, then, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. Boy. I mean, you and I recorded an episode a couple of weeks back saying that the Pogba and Bruno combination was good. But that fizzled out because it's only down to two players. But if you've got that much firepower in one team, Kovacic can have an off day, it's fine. Pulisic can have an off day, it's fine. Zia can have an off day, it's fine. There's just so much power in that team. That's how City wins matches, that Bruno, uh, uh, Bernardo Silva can be on the bench one day. Mares can be on the bench. It doesn't matter. They've got so much firepower. So if you give that to Chelsea, man, that's one hot smoking gun. Man, listen. If, if, if Kante is, play, is playing as a defensive midfielder and he's playing at his best... That thing that I said about Fabinho being the best defensive midfielder in in the league probably goes up in smoke, yeah. or very close to that. And then, like with Ziyech, Ziyech, we we saw this guy not this past, not this current Champions League campaign, but the previous one. Yeah, and he was the best player at Ajax. Ajax had an had an amazing team. They were exciting. They were they were having a go at everyone. And Ziyech was just he was just doing as he pleased. Actually, it was it's a wonder that Frankie and Delict left and not him. I mean, obviously he's his coach, now, his, his coach at Ajax said he was surprised that he mm-hmm. had he had him for another season. He was expecting that one of the big boys would come in for him like at the end of last season and even before that actually. Yeah. And then, I, man, I, I I name those guys, but I look at the American. I saw that guy put Trent Alexander Arnold on his knees. <laughs> he he ghosted through three players. And he, he put a nutmeg in Gomez. That they had me looking at Gomez and looking a little suspect in the light there. And he he comes in that game against um against Liverpool and literally he he has this cameo where you're looking at him. It's like, man, am I looking at Eden Hazard or or what is happening here? And the boy is what is in is in his early twenties. So if he hits, if he hits, you, there are these group of players like. Your Lionel Messi's, your your Eden Hazards, your Pulisic's. They're for me like these guys who I call like just differently talented, because on the football pitch, if you can dribble, literally what that means is that you can eliminate players at a time single-handedly. Football is a team sport; it's eleven versus eleven. If you can create an overload somehow, and dribbling is the quickest way to do that, then you've got a weapon in your team that not many other teams can replicate. So if this guy, if he actually 
like plays to his absolute peak we're going to be looking at the best player in the premier league and that spells trouble not considering his other teammates in the chelsea team i mean Pulisic's dribbling is amazing because he goes on either side I mean, with Mahrez, he's sort of predictable because he wants to go on to his left to bend it in, but maybe he might go to the right to cross. Pulisic can go either side. He's still a goal threat. He's still a threat with his, with his passing if he goes past you. Pulisic is magic. Like, and he's I, aggressive. I, he wants to I, I, go I, I, at I you. I Pulisic was a good player up until I watched yeah, him nah, for the man. whole season. I'm like, nah, this man. I'm sold. It's only a matter of time. I'm sold. This guy is like a, one of my, my top. He's in my top five favorite players right now. We, we don't usually make calls this this early. I mean, we saw Harry Kane score calls. It took us a couple of seasons. But yeah, Pulisic, but you look at Pulisic <laughs> and you know you're looking at something special. So if Chelsea hang on to him and he's not, he's what? He's a, a couple of years away from his prime. So let me, let me then pose this how do the other teams match that say say chelsea do sign Havertz and they've got Pulisic and they already have Ziyech, they already have Werner and N'Golo Kant is at their peak who's available whether for big money whether for free is there a team that can I mean obviously I think Liverpool is there in terms of um they can box with them and still maybe even beat them City are still there because they've still got a great squad. I don't know what happens in that they still have a great squad. And I think Pep will still make signings. Pep, Pep uses his money. <laughs> but what can Arsenal, United, Tottenham do to to, to be in that, in, that, in that race? Man, the North London teams are a couple of seasons away, in my opinion. Um, mainly because it's an arms race. Hmm. At this point, it's an arms race. Who has the biggest guns? And if you don't have a gun as big as the other guys, like what is your checkbook like? Are you able to go get that gun are you able to go get those reinforcements because as you say what city have is they've got the coach mm. uh in pep guardiola i'm someone who you will hear me say pep is a fraud because pep always has to have every single thing fall in line for him to be successful and at city he has himself a situation whereby i was i, I didn't really realize this that in in in, in benjamin mendy and in in stones and in laporte they've broken the world record for the defender three times already in that in that back if that back four plays together they've got in every single position at the back all of those defenders cost 50 million pounds or more and stones hasn't worked out and they've got the luxury of saying cool you can leave we're gonna go and find another defender for something along uh, along that amount so he's gonna fix the defense he's gonna mm -hmm. go get a center back whether it's 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 it's, it's i i care ache from from bournemouth or mm -hmm. he goes to italy to napoli to go get that guy over there but he's going to get someone he's going to plug him next to Laporte so he's going to fix the defense and if he fixes the defense you know what he had like his team offers um going forward so they're going to be there because of that Liverpool as we say they're there um Manchester United have money yeah. Manchester United are going to sign Jadon Jadon Sancho uh, how exactly they utilize him will be seen and next season uh, there is the luxury of the fact that um Greenwood is 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 gonna take that that next step as well, and you've got now Marshall scoring twenty goals. Maybe maybe this is not just a one season thing, mm -hmm. and you've got Rashford who is ever improving. So, and and where you not quite there, United are gonna spend money. So actually, break this down for me. I wanna I wanna talk about the London clubs because I, I still hear what the Arsenal are feeling the effects of that stadium build. I don't. It's been how many years since you guys have the Emirates erected? It's been a while, and I don't quite understand why. Tottenham have built themselves a new stadium, and there's there's noise that they don't have that much money left. Did you guys build stadiums at the wrong time, when your powers were waning? Well, you were at the peak when you did that, I know, but 
did that do you think that's a factor in terms of your spending power or is it down to the board and their unwillingness to spend the economics at arsenal initially the issue was the fact that the board was not willing to spend and the reason for that is because every single season Wenger managed to get arsenal into the top four and if you if you finish in the top four it does not there's not a massive difference between finishing in fourth or actually being champions in terms of your mass media appeal. Mm. And at the end of the day, the game is about revenue. Uh, the The board is not there necessarily for football reasons. They're there to make sure that the business runs. And in terms of the business, the business is best positioned when you are in the Champions League. When you are not only not only bringing in money from the, the, TV, the TV deals are, are the big... Uh, money spinners so if you are in the champions league which is arguably an even bigger competition or just as big as the epl you get that money you also you also you also get that billboard of the champions league where sponsors come in and you can negotiate that they pay even more and arsenal were doing that Mm. and the board saw no reason to spend on the team because they keep finishing fourth now though the issue is that Arsenal are not finishing in the top four. And while, as I said, like I said on my Twitter recently, while most Arsenal fans are just want to focus on the league next season, don't even want to get into Europa, that's a big mistake because yeah. you are then also missing out on, on the on the revenue money from Europa. You're also missing out on, 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 on... You can't negotiate without Europe. Your negotiation is, is, is stale. Uh, because even the things that you offer to players, as much as players say they want to play for teams that that are in the Champions League, it's not because of the prestige. It's because you know your contract is built in. If you end up as a leading goal scorer, for example, Don't in the Champions League, mm. man. So the issue now at Arsenal is that they're not making it into the type of competitions that would allow them to bring in the type of money to buy the type of players to go win the absolute biggest prizes. Okay, I... I have a bit of light shared upon that situation. So here's what I think each team needs. So you mentioned that City need a Koulibaly maybe, and maybe they'd probably buy another attacking threat and they'd probably reset and be back as a, as a, as a threat. Yeah. United need a Jadon Sancho. I think we need to get a Grealish as well because I've seen, I've seen Grealish carry Aston Villani's back week in, week out. He won't need to carry United, but I mean, that, that guy's will. To win a match <laughs> is unmatched. Maybe, maybe only by by yeah. Pulisic, but man, what I like about Grealish is that you, it's hard to say Grealish has had a bad day because Grealish passes, Grealish goes into mark, Grealish crosses, Grealish shoots. He does so many things that even if they're not quite working out, he's contributed so much to the team. And so, his hair still looks good at the end of the game, <laughs> man. So <laughs> yeah, if my if man you had to do splurge, I know I don't. Grealish, I don't know where he'd play, I don't know, but I'd like to have him. Sancho, I'd like a Marco Verratti. I know he's probably not going to leave PSG because life is good. They're winning anything and everything they want to win, and he's getting paid. I'd like a Marco Verratti because I can't get a Kante, I can't get a Fabino, I can't get a Casemiro. I'd like to get a Verratti. Then we can challenge. And then maybe get a Thiago Silva for free. Then we can challenge. But currently, because he's got a strong starting eleven, no one else, I think that's how we bridge the gap. With Arsenal, you guys need to make you need to make due of the players who are available for free. I mean, Rakitic, um, stamp up money for Thomas Partey if you can. Um, maybe go for that particular table stuff I just mentioned. And Partey is coming to Arsenal. Good news is leaving Arsenal, so money is coming in for him. Uzel also... Yeah. Do you realize that Gunduzi and Uzel, particularly, I'm, I'm grouping them together since um, Gunduzi had that incident against... Um, Brighton. And he told the guy that he earns more than him, but he was wrong. Anyway, they've yeah. not played 
for Arsenal since. Ozo hasn't played since. Ozo has not played since football has returned. And if wow. and every other every other weekend or every other game, it's his back, it's his leg, it's his dog. We, we, we know these things. It's we know these it, things. Up until it's they something leave. every single game, and you're like, no, this guy's. I mean, I mean the Pogba, coach doesn't Pogba have plans for this guy going us. forward. Popo tried to do the same thing on us because Popo was injured from like September until, There's always until after lockdown. There's literally always something. You see, you respect a guy like Neymar who just wants to go to his sister's birthday party. You come back. It's like I'm not injured, guys. I just want to go party. Yeah. The other guys, though, it's it, it's something. So I mean, like Arsenal need to go get party. They need to go get. Uh, I want to say Upamecano because he's he's the one who's been Up spoken about. But like, yeah. I've 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 voiced my concerns about having a 19 and a 21 year old as your starting centre backs um, at the same time. Mm. So uh, if that happens, maybe if they're that good, sometimes like players are just that good. You know. You know what I've heard as well about Arsenal and the culture. I don't know if it's necessarily true. From the outside looking in, you might think so. But there's a culture at Arsenal where things are just lacks. I mean, you don't see Arsenal fighting like a Brighton would or, or a Bournemouth or whatever, regardless of what Bournemouth and Brighton do. But seemingly, you guys are just happy to play, it seems, you know? I've and told you I don't like Troy Deeney, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I like Troy Deeney. The reason I don't like Troy Deeney, though, is because he, he, he the, his words about Arsenal hit a bit too close to home, if I'm being very honest. Yeah, that you guys are just there for a good time and there's not much fighting you. Because I think, I mean, never mind the fact that you guys... Uh, man for man and you're not one of the best teams in Europe but with the personnel that you have if you guys fought as hard as the teams below you you're easily qualified not easily but you definitely go into contention for Champions League you're definitely in the Europa without a question and then then you, you're now pulling uh, on the bigger players and you're now a bigger draw so currently I know Arsenal is still a big name um, in, in Europe but compared to the other competitors in the, in, the, in the EPL if you're thinking it's going City to be interesting or, to Arsenal, see what um Arteta. What the board does to support Arteta, because from everything that Arteta has said, it sounds as if they've had some good conversations with uh, with, with the Krunka family, and it sounds as if they've made him some promises. And I have reason to believe that he would not have taken the job without asking the question, "What will you do to support me?" Because this is what I bring to the table. This is my expertise. This is what I've I've learned while at City, and these are the things I want to implement. And every time he speaks, he sounds like someone who is who's thinking very deeply about the game, mm. but he's thinking very deeply about the makeup of his team as well. And I, you have a sense that he's having these intellectual conversations and he's having these 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 conversations about what his vision for the club and for the for the team is going forward. And from the reports that we've come across is that uh, the Arsenal board were very impressed when they were interviewing Arteta. So if they're on the same page, it will, it will be seen by what, if, if Arsenal make available their checkbook, uh, not only this, cause it's not going to take one window. I think it, it's going to take multiple windows. I think this window, the one in January and the one in the summer next, next year. <laughs> can, I, can I just check it in there and say, <laughs> I know what it's like to be told. It's Man. not going to take one year to fix this. Man. <laughs> and the teams that we support currently. I mean, Ch- Ch- why is it that Chelsea can finish 11th, have an issue with like Mourinho and their Conte and their Saris, and then still be up there? Dude, here's... When, when we fall, we fall flat on our faces and we can't fix it in one season. This is my problem as well. It's like Chelsea finished 10th the one season. Yeah. They came back the very next season and they what? won the league. 
and I'm, 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 I'm look around. It's like, why, why, why are like other teams? Why do they sell their fans this idea that it's it's a process and it's going to take a while? At Chelsea, you win the league this season. Next season, you don't do so well. It's like, guess what? Cheers, buddy. We're yeah. going to get someone else. Someone else comes in and they win a league as well. And next season, they don't do quite as well. Same yes. thing. And the thing about Abramovich, Abramovich is, is he applies like to Chelsea, he applies the same mentality that I imagine he applies in business, that we are trying to get results. Mm. If we're not getting results, we are changing. Because the idea, you know, like traditionally, if you keep chopping and changing managers like United have done recently and now Arsenal started to do, that's a sign of instability in, mm. in, in, in the football club. But at Chelsea... That's they turn over managers like it was nobody's business, and yet they keep churning out results. I mean, here, Chelsea here we are. The Champions League, PSG is still looking for one. Dude, here they are. They came into this season with with, the, with their transfer ban, and Lampard is their coach. Now we just finished talking about the fact that they might put out a dream team next season, just like that. And and they're going to be expected to be challenging for the league, you know. While at other teams, <laughs> like no, you need to bide your time. It's going to take a while. Yes, man. Okay, well. Talking about biding their time, I think that's that's my link into the next next thing that Jordan Henderson had to bide his time at Liverpool. He was not one of the most fancy players. Sure, under Brendan Rodgers, he 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 showed qualities that gave him a regular place to play, but he was never one of your biggest stars in Liverpool. But surprise, surprise, he is winning the PFA Player of the Year or the PWA. Dude, I don't know. Would you have voted for Henderson? No. <laughs> no, no. How no, did you no, think no. that happened? Like, please run me through it because I'm confused. Maybe I'm not confused. Let no. me not make it sound as if like this no, is like no, the worst decision that's ever been made. It's not the worst decision, but it's I not think, the one I would have made. I think Pep would shed shed a bit of light. He says when City won the Champions League, sorry, when City won the league, the Champions League, the, the EPL, a Liverpool player won the the award, and now that Liverpool win the league, voila, it happened again. So he says it's a Liverpool award. So maybe that would help you understand what's going on. But even for me, at Liverpool, Sergio Mane, done. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not picking Henderson simply because for me, yes, the Atletico Madrid loss happened in his absence and so did the Watford um, loss in his absence. But I'm thinking if, if that experiment happens on any other match day, on any other week or any other uh, span of two games, I don't think they lose those two games. And I think Sergio Mane has been consistent from last season and this season and has saved Liverpool so many times and has always been the spark for a great performance. When things are deadlocked in the 50th minute after Sergio Mane called Liverpool went 2-0, 3-0, it's like a walk in the park after that. Henderson, I don't know, with all the talent around him, I don't think I could say because the midfield was run by that guy. It was either Fabinho or Wijnaldum for me. And so he's done well. He is the soul of Liverpool. He is the passion of Liverpool. But I don't think he's a talent. I don't think he's a skill. I don't think he's the the world beater of Liverpool. And so if he's the best player of the year from Liverpool, I'd pick Sergio Mane. But above that, Kevin De Bruyne. That's my pick. I will tell you what happened right here. So football took a break. And we were all at home missing sports. And ESPN threw us a bone. They gave us the last, the last dance. There was a certain guy named Jordan in there. And I think the writers were like watched too many episodes and too many times of that particular like documentary. And guys, it's not the same Jordan. No, it's not. You know what? But to be fair to Jordan Henderson, let me eulogize him for a bit. Like Jordan Henderson, for the longest time he he he, he copped a lot of flag for his gameplay because he was just not that good. 
mm. when he was signed from Southampton for 20 million pounds and for the first couple of se- first few seasons at Liverpool he looked like man they threw money away but under Klopp he has improved no lies and, and you know no for me Henderson looked like a uh, Thomas Cleverly like they to were on top when they yeah. Did, yeah when they started their careers and now one is relegated and one is one the player of the year because Henderson, for 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 all that he is not, he looks like he's a hard worker. He looks like so, like the consummate professional. He looks like someone who works at his game. I, I I've I've come around to an idea that when I watch Henderson, he he's never going to be the reason that you are you win a game, but he's also never going to be the reason that you lose. He doesn't attempt something that is beyond his repertoire. He he does the the, the minimum. He does the basics as well as you can do. He passes. He moves. He goes into space. He's he's always there when uh, his team is is facing a counter attack. He's there to help out he, to help out the midfielders. And when you watch him, when you watch Liverpool, you can see you can see him barking out orders, and you can see him marshalling the line the line to press. You can see him marshalling uh, the midfielders where they should be and transitioning from the back and into attack. So his position in the team is vital, and it's it's a very obvious. It's very clear. It's there. Uh, he is. One of the reasons why Liverpool have had the success that they've had is one of the reasons why they've won the Premier League for the first time in 30 years. But my problem with Jordan Henderson being the winner is that he's one of the reasons at Liverpool. At Liverpool, but it's very yeah. hard to pick out who is the guy. Yeah, no as one, much no as we speak about Salah standard season, at no, you know, and 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 for me, like I, I, I've expressed this to you before and on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again. These individual awards are ridiculous for me. They're ridiculous because there's no set criteria. Because the other day I read from a, a journalist who who writes for the Athletic and he says that it's not because of just uh, down to what he did on the pitch that he won the award. It's because of his character, his leadership, and the man that he is. I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Can we rewind to a season where Luis Suarez won this award? He won this award after coming back in that particular season from a ban from his second biting incident. He won this award after, in his history, he had the the, the Patrice Evra um, racism, incident, racism yeah. incident, you know. And he won the award because of he had a tour de force type of season. That particular season, he almost single-handedly won Liverpool the league. Mo Salah, he wins this award when Liverpool finished fourth because of the fact that he scored the most goals in a 38-game um, Premier League season. So... You look at it and you're like, okay, the criteria is just what you do in the pitch. And then you come to this season and you're like, well, what's the criteria now? I mean, COVID has <laughs> messed up a few Dude. things. I, I think the break for me has, 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 if I say, skewed things a bit because I also don't give it to him. I don't think he's even in my top three of, 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 of nominees for that, for the, for that um, particular award. For me, it has to be Kevin De Bruyne. He's matched City, uh, sorry, uh, Tyrone Reese's twenty assist a season record. And regardless of City failing miserably, Kevin De Bruyne has been the shining light. Um, he's been the shining light in the Champions League, which is why they're ahead of Real Madrid currently, as we speak. And so, for me, when things have been up and down, Kevin De Bruyne has been consistent. Not only is the talent, but there's grit, there's determination. Kevin De Bruyne just just wants it. Every game he goes into the into the onto the pitch, he wants to win, and so for me, the numbers don't lie, the talent doesn't lie, and maybe second uh, doesn't do him a favor. But Kevin De Bruyne deserves this award more than anyone. I'd also have given it to Kevin. I, I can't tell you how how my heart starts pounding when I'm watching Arsenal play Manchester City and Kevin De Bruyne gets on the ball, like. <laughs> 
when Kevin De Bruyne gets the ball in any given match, you have a sense that he's going to do something. Something is going to happen. He's he's yep. going to turn and he's going to run away from a couple of midfielders. Or he's going to turn, he's going to um, lift his head and he's going to see someone running into space and he's going to pick that pass. He's got this amazing ability where, like, to me, he looks like a hybrid somehow of between David Beckham and Steven Gerrard. He's got this long-ranging passes and he's got he, he he's got this pace that he, he puts on the ball and he's putting it into into the box where every time he puts a ball into the box, you're thinking someone just is going to slide onto that and put it into the back of the net. He's he's an assist waiting to happen. Like literally, when he picks up the ball, turns into the opposition half. Kevin De Bruyne has got a passing average in my head, of course, as far as I can recollect, of 90%, whether in the midfield or in the box. He just finds the person with either foot. And he's attempting difficult passes. And he pulls them off. I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like it's a a Liverpool award. I think, I feel like, you know what? Liverpool have had this historic season and Liverpool are this historic club. Mm. And we know the history that that has um, led to this moment right here with the the champions of England for the first time in 30 years and i think there's 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 this sentimental desire to just reward them award them or recognize them for what they've done and what they mean as opposed to the english game and and to those supporters uh in liverpool and the writers were giving it to liverpool and because they just then they gave it to their captain but when we're talking about impact and we're talking about individual talent like Kevin De Bruyne is, is is in a league of his own if you're putting him up against Jordan Henderson. That's all I have to say about that. <sighs> yeah, man. All right, guys. So this is us doing the Premier League wrap. Uh, what we're going to do then uh, in the upcoming episodes is wrap up things as they come um, because it's been a, a weird time with COVID. Things are happening and, and they're ending at different times. The schedules are crazy. So this is EPL. This has been a, a, a good recording. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't gotten around to many of these during this period, this period, but hopefully we are turning out more episodes going forward. It's been a great one. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us on this episode of Tour Front. Please listen out for more episodes that will be coming out soon, definitely. Tour Front, out. my issue with Neymar in this front trio is twofold one I feel like Neymar has not lived up to his potential I don't I don't feel as though over the course of the decade he's been consistently week in week out season in season out that good have I seen Neymar do things on the pitch which Suarez cannot even dream of doing yeah I have mm-hmm. but would I would would if, if I'm starting a team if I'm building a team would I would I would I hedge 200 million pounds